Hey everyone, before we get to today's Shea Station podcast, I got to tell you about today's sponsor, which is Lightbox. Guys, the Mets showed up for us in LA, and I think you got to show up for your mom or a loved one this year, and Lightbox can help you do it. If you're looking for gifts this Mother's Day or any special occasion that's coming up, let Lightbox's lab-grown diamonds do all the work. Lightbox makes diamonds you'll love with pricing You'll understand. I know buying a diamond sounds like a very expensive thing to do, but Lightbox makes it easy and we have a code to help out. This year, skip the socks, skip the flowers, get mom a nice rock on her finger. Use promo code SHAYSTATION10 for 10% off your purchase. That's SHAYSTATION10, the number 10, at the link in our description. Go to Lightbox's website right now. Search for the diamond of your choosing, whether it's for your mom, your spouse, even your dog, if your dog deserves a diamond. Go to Lightbox to get it done. Code SHAYSTATION10. And thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode. Now let's get to the action. Hey everyone, welcome back to the next episode of Shea Station. It's episode 158. The Mets just went to LA and took a set off the Dodgers. That was what I thought was going to be the main story, but a lot happened in that final game that we have to talk about, including a Max Scherzer ejection and possible suspension to add on. The Mets bats came alive, went quiet, then came alive again. It was a very eventful series, but the Mets improved to 5-1. and one on their West Coast road trip with one more series to go. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly. Joining me is Jerry Blevins. Jerry, a lot to talk about today. Yeah, uh, a lot, but definitely a big series win, man. That was, uh, <laughs> you know, coming off how they looked in Oakland, even though they swept, they they won two games by one. Uh, uh, going into L.A., this was a, a test, and they looked good. They fought. Uh, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, it still looks like there's kind of room to grow in some areas. But, I mean, you know, we were kind of going into this saying, you know, they might take one and that will be okay, I think, if you go out there to San Francisco and win those games. But instead, they've put themselves in a great spot. You know, they have a chance to have a really winning record on the road trip here if they go into Oracle Park and play well. And they did it without great starting pitching in this series, kind of three dud outings. The last one, obviously the most significant because of the length there. Uh, but the Mets bats got it done. The Mets bullpen really shined in the last game. G- Jimmy Yacobonis might be our guy, I think. Uh, lots <laughs> He's to a love dude. The dude, I yeah. think. So I think I'm going to dive right into this recap. We'll get it out of the way because there's a lot I got to let you talk about, too. All right. Let's, let's hit it. Jack's going to hit the music and post. Here I go. The Mets go to Los Angeles after a weird series in Oakland, that series sweep, and they head to play the Dodgers, a much more formidable team, and they're greeted by an old rival, Freddie Freeman, who puts the Dodgers up early in the first with a solo home run off David Peterson, who had one of the weirdest outings I've ever seen from him. We'll get to that in a little bit. Daniel Vogelback, we've been asking, when is he going to get going? He gets going with a two-run home run off Dustin May in the second. Backup catcher Austin wins. Orioles legend Burns Peterson with a two-run double in the third. The Mets rallied back to take another lead. It was a Lindor hit by pitch and Alonzo single that set up a McNeil RBI. And then Beatty joins in on the action to get an RBI single of his own. It's 5-3 to three Mets. 
But David Peterson couldn't keep the Dodgers at bay. He didn't walk anybody in the start, which I think is kind of a small victory in of itself. But signs of the devil. Six innings pitch, six earned runs, six strikeouts, three home runs to boot there. He retired nine in a row at one point, but then he allowed home runs again to Freddie Freeman and then Max Muncy. So the Dodgers went back in front, and then the Mets jumped ahead yet again. The sixth lead change of the game to that point. Nito, Nemo, and Marte single to load the bases. Lindor and Alonso get the RBIs to put the Mets ahead 8-6. Brooks Raley came up big in relief. He got five outs in this one, and Adam Adovino pitches a 1-2-3 ninth for his second save of the year. It was a nail-biter, but three hit games from Nemo, Alonso, and McNeil helped the Mets win this one 8-6. Game two was not as eventful at all. The Dodgers got the lead early off Tyler McGill, and then Clayton Kershaw shut the Mets down like he always does. He still has never lost to the Mets in his illustrious career. This night was no different. Seven shutout innings, nine strikeouts, and 105 pitches. He was vintage for his 200th win. Yeah, kind of a quiet one from the Mets side of things. They lose this one 5 to nothing, Setting the stage for a very eventful Game 3. Max Scherzer loaded the bases in the first inning, got out of it after only getting one out to begin with. But then, as we're starting to get into this Scherzer outing, it's cut short because he is ejected after the third inning for alleged illegal use of foreign substances, which we will definitely expand and analyze on after the recap. The Dodgers capitalized on this and brought home a run on a sacrifice fly off Jimmy Yacobonis. Yacobonis was great. He told two and two-thirds innings of relief in kind of an impossible spot, a very commendable outing. So hopefully Scherzer gets in that steak dinner that he talked about. Brandon Nemo came up huge in this game when the Mets looked down and out. He gets a two-run homer off Noah Syndergaard to put the Mets ahead 2-1. to one. Drew Smith, who has looked great as of late, he tosses a scoreless seventh. Tommy Pham gets the insurance run in the eighth, and it was much needed because D-Rob finally falters. He allows a J.D. Martinez RBI double. It's a one-run game yet again. And Mark Canna gets a big hit that he definitely needed as well. A massive two-run double to get the Mets some more breathing room, and that would be all they needed. Adam Adovino gets his third save of the year. He allows a solo home run, but the Mets win this one 5-3. Brandon Nimmo goes 5-5, five for five, two hits for Francisco Alvarez, and the Mets bullpen saves the day with six innings pitch and three earned runs. Mets take the series in L.A. against all odds. Good recap. Good series, sure. man. There were so many good performances uh Nimmo's five for five day wow uh, incredible uh watching Mark Canna deliver that that two-run double was huge fam continues to impress and the bullpen especially after Scherzer's ejection Jacobonis Drew Smith uh Robertson and Adovino all looked good um you want to get into it or do you want to talk about let's let's talk a little bit about the series first. Yeah, we'll keep so, it a little bit positive at first. I mean, we talked last episode yeah. that this bullpen's getting used a lot early on, and it was kind of the same thing for this series. Like the most we got was six innings from Peterson. I think you and me both thought that Scherzer was gonna go deep in that last start, <laughs> and he did not. He gave him three uh, innings. Um, and I kind of folded over for that. I thought that game was kind of a lost cause, but the Mets, you know. Showed a lot of gumption, showed a lot of grit there in getting that win and not counting themselves out. Brandon Nimmo is looking like he's worth every cent of that new contract he got. He's looked great. He bats, uh, bounced back to game one with the debut of Brett Beatty. Yeah. Work against a really nasty pitcher in Dustin May. Like, goes 0-2, fights off some really high 90s, high fastballs, takes a good breaking ball down. Fouls off a good breaking ball down, gets another fastball for his RBI single. Just a beautiful at-bat. He looks yep. polished. 
to me, it looks like he's carried over that success he had in spring training and AAA. Um, very good signs that he's comfortable uh, in his own skin at the plate, which is amazing. And he made some good defensive plays this this uh, series. So people have still been kind of hounding on it, and you and I saw it in person in spring. Mm. He's going to have some growing pains because he doesn't yeah. have the experience yet, but he looked fundamentally much better than we saw him last year. It's crazy how much of a, no offense, but non-story Brett Beatty has become in the aftermath of this series because I almost forgot that his first game was this first <laughs> game in the series. Uh, he looked great in that at-bat. He went down 0-2, I think, multiple times in that first game, but always ended up working a pretty good at-bat there. And yeah, like you said, defense is going to have growing pains, but the Mets have honestly gotten pretty good defense out of not only third base, but the entire infield this year. And, uh, you know, I, I think it answered a lot of questions when we saw him get some at-bats against Clayton Kershaw in game two as well. I mean, he's going to get a large amount of playing time going forward, even with Escobar getting the start in game two. Yeah, I mean, Escobar had a history against Kershaw, left on left. You know, it's a great time to to get him a breather. Um, I thought that was good. And then him and Escobar, you you tweeted out a picture from, oh. I think, Escobar's uh, Instagram yep. of those two sitting together on the plane. Like, it's everything. Legit, le- it is. And it's not it's not a small thing to see Escobar. He's literally taking him under his wing on the plane. He's showing him what it takes to be a big leaguer. He's showing the pride of his work. Like it's and it's not bullshit. It's not no. like it's not for the fans. It's not for show. This guy legitimately wants to pass the torch. And that's a beautiful thing about certain types of players excited for the next generation of ball player to come up and, and make an impact. It's it's beautiful to watch. It's amazing to see. And Escobar, like, incredible to see him do that. Yeah, it takes a lot, you know. You kind of have to swallow your pride a little bit there. And it's kind of another thing that could weigh on a guy like Beatty's mind, you know, being a rookie, you know, that you're taking an established player's job. And, if, you know, if there's cold shoulders in that clubhouse, I think that definitely weighs on you. But, you know, we've heard a lot of great things about the Mets clubhouse over the years, and I think Escobar's the face of it. Yeah, I, I think so. I think he... Like it's just classy. So I love that. Um, Vogelback's huge home run. Like to needed see him, that. he needed it. He needed to drive in some runs, uh, and he did it. He, he showed some pop. Brooks Raley looked really good in his outing. Um, it was a weird outing, like you said, for Peterson because he looked dominant. Yeah, he just had a few. You know, he ran into Freddie Freeman and Max Muncy. Trust me, buddy. Uh, I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, both of those guys hit me well, so I get it. Yeah, but I think he looked good. I thought he, it's not a pretty line, six and six. Mm. Uh, as you said, the mark of the devil. Uh, <laughs> but I I really liked what I saw, and I think there's things to build off of, uh, things to grow from. Um, yeah, definitely. But and then McKill looked really good again, spreading and, and limiting damage on big innings. That that's, that's what's been hurting the Mets a lot, especially with the young guys, are those huge innings, those blow-up innings. And Tyler McGill has done a great job of avoiding those, you know, toe to toe with, you know, one of the best pitchers of a generation. You know, there was arguments to be made for who's better because mm-hmm. him and Scherz, Kershaw and Scherzer came in at the same time. In oh, I thought you meant Tyler McGill and Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> there was a time <laughs> when you thought that so you might still. Uh, but Kershaw looks amazing. He got yeah. his 200th win. So tip of the cap to him. Uh, he looks incredible. Uh, and then 
game three with Scherzer going down, uh, just like you, I was like, oh, this it's over. Yeah. But but this Mets team showed fight, man. They showed like a willingness to just whatever it is, we're gonna we're gonna play our game and try to win baseball. Yeah. And they they did. It was huge. It was just a, a really like the Mets showed true colors in the series a lot. I mean, McGill, the second start in a row where he allows a big home run in the first. Peterson had ebbs and flows that entire start, but gave him six innings. And then, you know, we're kind of two of the biggest optimistic Mets fans in the business. And I think we both kind of conceded that last game and said, okay, we took one. That's about it. That's about what we expected. And the Mets coming back to win that last game told me everything I need to know that this team might have the same DNA as the team that won 101 games last year. I mean, that's a huge win. We split in LA last year, and we were really happy with that. To win a series in the Dodgers' home turf, and I don't care that the Dodgers are kind of slumping out of the gate. It's still the Los Angeles Dodgers. They still play great defense. They have bullpen weapons galore and Clayton Kershaw on the mound. That's a tough thing to do. So I think before we get into the controversies and the injuries and all that that came with this series, let's really enjoy those two wins that we got. I think you nailed it. And I've heard it said a lot with this series is like, this is showing signs of who this team was last year. Like there's, yep. there's been some reminders and I think it's important because every, every year, no matter if it's the exact same team, every year you've got to figure it out again. It's a brand new ball club with different circumstances. Every season has its own identity. This one has some carryover from last year. They're, they're, they're grit. You're all yep. about the grit. This team fought back. That 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 first game was back and forth like a heavyweight fight. Uh, and the and the Mets showed that they don't bow down. And then in the in game three, when Scherzer got ejected, I felt a momentum swing. And the the Mets said it's not a momentum swing. They didn't allow it to get them down. They just bounced back. Yakabonis obviously was great in the whole bullpen, but offensively and defensively, that would have been an easy time for them to just kind of like all right, let's head yeah. to San Francisco. Uh, they didn't, and that's excellent DNA. That's leadership from the guys in the clubhouse to the front office to Buck Showalter and the and the coaching staff. Don't allow yourself to get down. That's that's going to be huge moving forward. And one last thing I want to mention is that you know last series in Oakland we kind of talked about it was the two star show of Alonzo and Lindor. You know, they didn't have bad series, but they didn't have the world-breaking series that they did in Oakland. This was a team effort. I mean, Vogie came up big in game one. Marcana had a huge hit in the last game. We had bullpen call-up guys that are pitching massive outs in the middle of that game three. This was a collective team effort, not to mention, you know, nice performances from Alvarez and Beatty. Alvarez gets the multi-hit. Beatty gets his first RBI. Like, across the board, this Mets team felt like they came together in this LA series, which is why I'm a little... Annoyed, I guess, is the right word for what happened and what's everyone's talking about right now. Yeah, um, I get it, too, because it was a, a great overall team performance. It shows that, like, there's two different versions of this Mets team. There's a version where your superstars and Lindor and Alonso carry the team and yep. pick them up. And then there's a version where they don't have to and top to bottom, these guys battle. Um you want to you want to dive into the Scherzer stuff? How do you want to approach it? I'll let you. I think the way for me. you. I'm uh, I'm relinquishing the captain's wheel okay. of the ship, and I'm putting you okay. in front, and you're going to guide us through this storm. And I want you to first kind of explain MLB's policy with substances and the suspensions, kind of like I've never heard it before, because I think there are people listening that might have no clue what is going on and why Scherzer uh, got tossed in the first place. 
So I, I kind of want to go back to why there's sticky substance in the game to begin yeah. with. And that start, it starts with like the simple fact that the baseball itself is flawed. The baseball itself, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Um, when I first got called up uh, in 2007 from Sacramento, from AAA to the big leagues in Oakland, I had, I grabbed the baseball and I was playing catch for the first time in my first day there. And I had no idea what to do. The ball was slipping. I've never had this problem in my life. And I talked to my other pitchers and I was like, dude, and I was mid panic. Like, yeah. I don't know how to play catch with this. And they're like, it's okay. Sunscreen and then take the rosin, pat it down, rub it on your hands and then take the ball and rub the ball. And that, that film will come off of it. Okay. And then the ball feels like the ball. I've never had an issue my entire life of even thinking about what the baseball feels like. I picked it up and I would play catch and throw. Literally never thought about it. Yeah. Get to the big leagues and all of a sudden the baseball feels weird. It just was so strange. And so we came up with a solution as a, an entire industry. All the ball players, the position players are like, look, we want you to be able to command this. So we started sunscreen and rosin. Fast forward to the this recent era of high-speed cameras and spin rates and the ability to track that, guys found that higher tackiness, higher stickiness creates higher spin. And so they started to cheat. And that's to me, is cheating. I, I, I completely agree. Um, but just like in other eras of cheating, MLB, without addressing the baseball, Open the door because they know the baseball stinks. So guys were allowed to use sticky stuff, the sunscreen and rosin to get rid of it. Some guys used a little bit of pine tar, but it was like, you know, turn your, turn a blind eye because they understand that it, the game is safer because of it. Yeah. And now you, you give a, and they've shown it time and time again with steroids, with everything, with the, with the video, you give a, guy a player an inch they're gonna take a mile and they started to cheat and mlb because they didn't address the problem now they have to be oh we're gonna do this okay you're still allowed so flash forward to we're we're back okay we're mm. here they've started yep. cracking down and checking the, the checks are like okay bullshit remember Pineda with the with the pine tar right. on his neck right. all that stuff um you're allowed to use rosin. You're allowed to have sunscreen on. You're allowed to have sweat. So guys to get rid of the ball, to make the ball feel normal, would take sweat and rub the ball. It would take off the, the dryness and, and give it a little bit of moisture so it feels tacky. And then the rosin would get rid of that sweat on your hand so the ball would feel normal. Then the sweat on your hand would feel tacky when you would get the rosin. So it's a good combination. Scherzer gets told that he needs a new glove because after, you know, you can't just go out with a brand new glove because it's right. a brick. It's the right. ball's going to jump out. You can't squeeze it. So it's build up. So you throw sunscreen and rosin on both your hands. You put your hand back in your glove and then where the palm is, you're going to get some build up, and it's going to be like a residue sometimes, but it's not like a residue where you can go and put it on your fingers and, you're going to get better spin. It's just, it's just not, it's just like a leftover tape residue. It's inconsistent. Just, it's not, it's not a cheating mechanism, but they didn't like it. So he got a new glove. He washed his hands. And if you're washing your hands with 
soap and water, rosin's not coming off. Right. It's just not going to happen. So you have to use alcohol and you, you, you rub the rubbing alcohol takes red hot off. It takes tape residue off. It takes pre-wrap. They have stuff called tape remover that you can wash with your hands. It's blue. It's the same concept. It's a, it's an alcohol based and it takes it off. So Scherzer does this now. Somebody says that again, this is, I don't know if this is true, but if you mix alcohol with rosin, it becomes even stickier than it's supposed to be. That seems weird because it takes it off. So I don't know. That could be it. And so they didn't like what they saw. They warned him. He came back. They did it again, going out for the fourth inning. Phil Cuzzy's the guy and he tosses him. And it's, he's going to, he's going to get 10 game suspension. It's, there's no, he can, he can appeal it. It is what it is there. It's under, it's completely subjective. They're trained to feel what's sticky and what's not sticky. When you use a regular legal substance like rosin, you use it in a way that's legal, but eventually it builds up to be illegal. It sucks like yeah. that this is happening. And so that's where we are. That's why Scherzer's are so mad because he says, I didn't do anything that I'm not allowed to do. This is the problem that we had with this in the first place. And so Scherzer's upset. They're saying we have proof that you did it illegally with the alcohol. He's like, no, I used it to clean my hands and then reapplied the the rosin. Like, it's just such bullshit. Like, we're here. You're penalizing a guy because you haven't fixed the baseball. If you fix the baseball, nobody would have any excuse to have any type of stickiness on their hand, on their glove. It's just an exhausting process where they're now upset about Scherzer and the rules and the way it's interpreted. And you're trained to find the difference. Shut up. You're trained. (laughs) You take the tackiness and you, oh, this is what it feels like here. Every pitcher, it's different. The, the, The humidity levels in different stadiums are different. The temperature, night, day, it all feels different. It all has different, you know, reactions on your hands. It's designed to keep the sweat from your hands and and to to get rid of the baseball's tackiness. So I do think that sticky stuff is cheating. I really do. The spider tack, I hated it in the game. I'm glad that they're finally cracking down on that stuff. But you can't have this open interpretation because all the, right off the bat, all the, all the spin rates went down. You can calculate it. And then they all came back up. So everybody's using something again, and it's probably sunscreen and rosin. But why, how do you get to target Max Scherzer? Like, yeah. why is Phil Cuzzy the only umpire that's done it? And only three guys have been caught? Three random selections? Like, it's so subjective that's the problem that i have with it that's the problem that max scherzer has it with it that's the problem that the players association had with it when they proposed these changes address the real problem of the baseball japan has a baseball that when you take it out of the wrapper in the box brand new you peel the plastic off the baseball is ready to go do that yep i think you nailed it you own Rawlings. Yeah. You own the company that makes the Major League Baseball. 
figure it out. That's where I'm at. Like, it's so annoying. Jerry Blevins, everybody. Jerry Blevins. I mean, no, you nailed it. The The word you used that I think is summative of this entire situation is exhausting. Because why are we in this predicament in the first place when the answer is larger than whatever was on Max Scherzer's hand? It's the baseball. It's the thing that he's trying to throw. Um, on top of it all, I mean, you've mentioned before, Phil Cuzzy is the only guy to ever eject anybody with this new substance policy. He's done it three times. No one else has ever done it. And Max Scherzer, I mean, he's a guy that is kind of a face of the MLBPA and was in those rooms battling over these rules. And he said in a quote after the game, I knew I was going to get checked in the fourth. I have to be an absolute idiot to try to do anything when I'm coming back out for the fourth. And I believe him. He would be an absolute idiot to try anything. But like you said, at the top of this kind of spiel, he's going to get the suspension. There's kind of no workaround. In fact, John Harper, who does some work for us and why kind of confirmed that notion that the Mets are going to be without him for these next 10 games, most likely, even if he does appeal, it's a huge mess. And I mean, we saw last week or last weekend with Domingo Herman, who kind of had the exact same scenario using a rosin bag in the dugout that he wasn't supposed to be using. He got a couple warnings. I think the umpires were kind of afraid to pull the trigger or whatever the situation was. And Domingo went out there and twirled the best start he's had in two years. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think he was, you know, having some fun with the sunscreen and rosin. So there needs to be no ambiguity with the rule. And when the rule itself is you're determining the stickiness of someone's hand, there's literal ambiguity in the wording of the rule. There's need, There needs to be some kind of line or some kind of stipulation that defines what cheating and what isn't cheating on a baseball mound. But right now that doesn't exist. And that's exactly what you get when that happens. You, you took, you said two really good things that I wanted to touch upon. Number one being that Max Scherzer is not friendly with the MLB commissioner's office. Uh, he is on the executive subcommittee for the players association, meaning he is one of eight players that stands and sits at the table across from the ownership in all of these negotiations. And Scherzer is very smart, very outspoken and under like not afraid to speak his mind about a lot of the things that they propose that he doesn't agree with. So it feels targeted and I'm not one to just throw in the conspiracy theories, but it feels targeted. It feels like I'm sick of this guy. Let's get our enforcer out there and maybe they, they come after Scherzer because it's so open for interpretation. There's too much, too many, too much gray area for all of it. And the fact that they like the, another thing that really bothered me was that the umpires came out with statements after the game. Yeah. Saying it was so sticky that our hands were sticking. Show I me. have the, I have the quote right here. It's from Dan. Marino, who, if you need to put a face to the name, this is the guy that uh, stood and stared at, Madison Bumgarner waiting for him to start back and then tossed him once he did. Uh, Dan Bellino said his hand was so sticky that when we touched his hand, our fingers were sticking to his hand and whatever was on there remained on our fingers afterwards for a couple of innings. Again, could be complete truth or it could be complete and utter made up bullshit because we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. How do you he's what another guy said it was supposedly the stickiest thing that they felt in the three years since they've been testing sticking spider tack that's what that's that's what i'm saying spider tack is the one of the stickiest things sunscreen and rosin if you do it to an illegal level it's impossible to uh, to 
to get off and hide it. And for Scherzer to go out in that fourth inning with that type of level of stickiness would be insane. And he is not an idiot. I think it's been pretty proven that anybody that's talked to him, seen him play, listened to him speak, Scherzer is not an imbecile. And that you would take an imbecile to go out there and try to cheat in that instance. Like, I, it's beyond my understanding to think that Scherzer would do that, and that's what they're stating. Yep. Now, if he had sunscreen and rosin, or even if it was just sweat and rosin, which is what Scherzer is saying, it can be sticky. But how do you, how are you able to judge? Is there like, okay, this feels like this. Let me check a, this is on this page is a seven on 10. Like there's nothing like that. There's no litmus test. There's no, it's just a wide open, ambiguous. This umpire thinks it's this, this umpire thinks it's that. And this is what we said. And that is where I'm angry. Scott Boris is angry. Tony Clark, I guarantee you is angry. And Max Scherzer rightfully so should be angry. And Mets fans should be angry. Yeah. No, I think that's, Pretty much everything you can say about it, honestly. I agree. Like, I'm so exhausted from talking about it. It's the silliest thing, and it's all could be done if you fix the baseball. We wouldn't be talking about it. Again, I have never had an issue with a baseball my entire life. I've played in snow. I've, it's cold in Ohio. It's hot as hell in the summer in Ohio. I've traveled around. I played in the desert. I played in all over the country in the minor leagues coming up. The first time I touched a big league baseball, it was like I'd never touched a baseball before in my life. Yeah. Trying to throw it as hard as you can, which we do, with no idea how to grip it. How is the can you imagine if the basketballs in the NBA were all different? If they're like, all right, we have to rub this up with this dirt from mud from somewhere, and a guy, five guys in every team gets to rub it up differently. Like, they finally got the humidor thing, right? But, like, yeah. let's just make a baseball that comes out of the package ready to go. We don't need a, a certain mud to be rubbed on it. We don't need any of that bullshit. You want the offense to come back? It's more exciting. White baseball right out of the package is much easier to see than when you rub it up with dirt and it becomes dark and you can't see the seams as easy. It's it's the solution is fix your own stuff and stop trying to put it on the player who's allowed to fix your problem, but not to fix, but also not fix. Again, all the extra sticky stuff I think is cheating. I really yeah. do. I hated it in the game. I'm glad it's been addressed. But this is, I was going to say ticky-tack, but this is <laughs> this is exhausting and it's yeah. bullshit because who who gets to dis- decide? Well, an umpire who's had a bad day, maybe he got, you know, it was tax day not too long ago. Maybe huh? he was <laughs> like, he's mad about that. And then all of a sudden he takes it out on Scherzer because he's mad. Scherzer has $43 million in the bank. And he likes, he's sad that he only has one color eye and he's mad at Max Scherzer. <laughs> Dan Bellino, when he, like his Madison Bumgarner interaction is one of the most disgusting, disturbing things I've ever seen. He's still out there doing it. He, yep. he wanted, 
like if we could like this guy is just waiting to throw somebody out you're telling me you believe his thought process shut up yep then that's like, another thing we, like no repercussions for any of these things because there's no we've never had repercussions before so why would it start now yeah I, I just saw, by the way, popped up on my while well, I'm talking. Bumgarner yeah. got DFA'd yeah, as we were talking about. <laughs> as we were saying it, that's wild. He got DFA'd. That's crazy. That's, that's I think crazy. we summoned it. I think we summoned it. Um, uh, he, he might be coming to Queens. Who knows? I was going to say, so speaking of starting pitching help, because Madison Bumgarner is available now, uh, Max Scherzer's gone likely for the next 10 games, and that includes that first Brave series of the year to close out April. So that's nice. I'll uh, be interested to see when when he decides to take yeah. it because he can he can challenge it. He's going to challenge it, so he yeah. might make that start. Who knows? We don't know. But I be- but I believe if he appeals and loses, the Mets can't replace him, right? I think oh, that's I the don't penalty. Know about that. I think that's... if Scherzer appeals and loses, they can't replace him on the roster for ten games. Is that real? That seems yeah. petty. Like you're not allowed to. to I think have it's the penalty. Own there's a penalty for, for fighting for your rights, like to have due process. That's I mean, we're, ta- we're talking again, about the MLB. That's bizarre. Yeah. Well, outside of that, um, <laughs> Carlos Carrasco also on the IL and good, bad news there. Uh, his bone spur yeah. has resurfaced. That's the same thing he got surgery for a year and a half ago. So it's either going to be a shot and he'll be okay and able to throw again, or possibly another surgery. So the Mets have, a ton of questions to answer with the starting rotation that has, has not looked good so far. Uh, they've been outside of the top 10 in the national league in pretty much every feasible category. And now they're going to be without uh, the head of the staff uh, for at least the next week and a half, maybe more. And Justin Verlander, who we thought was going to be end of April return, looks like it's going to be a may return for him. Uh, so the Mets have a, a challenging slate coming up with not their hundred percent staff. Yeah, this is again. This, these are you, you get a couple of thoughts with this. So the a team that's built on the success of their starting pitching has been the backbone of their desire to win a World Series. It's built on the starting rotation. Uh, they haven't had it at all yeah. this season, and they're kicking butt still. So there is hope. Again, you're going to need something. You're going to need some guys if you want to win in October. You're going to need the same team that you thought philosophically is going to be good, but this team has impressed me. You know, there's more pressure on Senga. There's more pressure on Peterson and McGill. We're probably going to see some Joey Lucchese who's been solid and who's a dog. A dog. I think I'm a dog. I'm a dog. <laughs> I love that. I love this uh, post game this spring. Uh, probably more of the butt too. That's right. Jose Budo, the butt's coming in. Oh yeah. Does, so if, let's if have this walkout song is it doing the butt? <laughs> uh, what about I like big butts? That could be a good one too. On. We got we got and then who let the dogs out for Joey? Throw it back to two thousand. <laughs> Come on, let's go. <laughs> Some Baja men shout out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they're they're gonna be. It's it's just an interesting run again. We've been. Yeah. Even with just Quintana and Shirt uh, and Verlander down, we've been trying to tread water. Like that was the thought process of the Mets was, if you can just maintain and not get too far behind, and when you get your you get your top starters back and you're ready, if it's the gaps not that far to run again, this is where this is a Braves team that have won forty five thousand games in a row again. Yeah, uh, the they've been playing, number. but the Mets are sticking with them. 
Like they're yeah, hanging in. Totally. No, I definitely agree. And I so, mean, like the Mets had tough teams to face. Like I think everyone's kind of scoffing at the Marlins, but the Marlins are eight and three against teams that aren't the Mets. Like they've been playing good baseball. Then you had the Dodgers in there. You have the Giants coming up next. Like it hasn't been an easy slate for the Mets, uh, and they're still making it work. Yeah, they're 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 showing some grit. The grit team grit. Not the grip. Not the grip. We don't want that. Too yeah, much. Grip. You get tossed. You're about to get. Uh, I'll get tossed out of this uh, podcast. A 10 pod suspension. <laughs> just me, me and audio Jack. Just you chilling, talking to yourself. Stuff. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's turn it back over to the positive. Let's do the apple of our eye. Cause we should do some shout outs for some great performances. I'll let you do the shout outs. Cause uh, okay. to me, it's a two, it's a two horse race. race. It's definitely a two horse race, which has kind of been a theme like the entire season, which it makes our job easier. It does. Uh, Mark Canna, uh, went three for nine this series, a run, a double, two RBI, a walk, and how about a stolen base for Mark Canna? Uh, he came that. in that last game to fill in for Marte, who was probably day-to-day. Hopefully, will be in the lineup tonight. Uh, it's neck, by the way. It was, it's his neck, it was a little yeah. scary. So I think it's from that like Marlins a... stolen base, right? That's what he said in this post game? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, it's just a little stiff. And I've when you're running uh, with a stiff neck, like it jars, and yeah. it's just – that's that was one of my – consistent injuries i got all this neck and it would be i had to get a cortisone shot in at one time it's like something that's just so nagging so it's nice yeah. to get give them some rest let it let it heal up and then it won't be there so it's yeah, usually I mean, a couple days that's another thing the mets position players are have been really healthy so far so we can afford to have Marte take a day or two um outside of that jeff mcneil four for 11 a run two doubles an rbi and a walk after kind of a really bad oakland series for him the walks stay up that's kind of been a theme for him all year uh, but it comes down to two pieces here, and those two pieces are the Mets bullpen, who had to carry a lot of weight this series yet again, and then Brandon Nimmo, the star of the finale win in that series. Uh, I'm going to let you pick first, and I think I know who you're going for. I'm going for the Mets bullpen. Mm-hmm. They are the mm-hmm. apple of my eye. It's simple, man. It was another series, and you had a great uh, tweet, and I shouted you out on SNY. It's uh the contributions from their starters in the LA series. Okay. All three games, 14 innings pitched, nine earned runs, six walks, five homers allowed. Yeah. That is not a recipe for taking two out of three on the road against a world series caliber team. That is what you got. And the bullpen decided that they wanted to flip the script on that. They went 12 innings pitched, Five earned runs, gave up only seven hits, three walks, had 16 strikeouts. So they were dominant when they needed to be. They had big contributions from, from guys from Jeff Brigham and Bonus to Robertson and Adovino and Drew Smith and Brooks Raley. Like just Reyes, like just the guys that they needed. They all stepped up and did their part. They didn't do – they look like they know what they're doing. Um, they've been – they've been – put out there an awful lot. And this was a big series for them to take a good team and show what they got because you needed, you know, just as much as the offense needs the bottom half of that order to start producing the back half of that bullpen, not the top guys, not the high leverage guys. These are the kinds of things that when you, you know, 101 ball games or when the top, all of your bullpen guys can contribute to a winning cause. So yeah, the bullpen for that reason is the apple. Of my eye. Love it. 
Yeah, I mean, there's two ways you can spin it. You can say our starting rotation is a problem or our bullpen is a pleasant surprise. And I kind of both of them are true right now. Uh, they're top 10 in ERA and innings pitch, and they're without Edwin Diaz, the head of the Dragons. So, I mean, it's been really impressive so far. Uh, specifically, Drew Smith has been great. Our guy, his last five games, four and two-thirds innings, no hits, three walks, eight punch outs, and some pretty high leverage spots, including a, a big inning in the last game there. He's been great, man. And, you know, we kind of talked about he needs to take on a larger role without Diaz this year, kind of as, you know, one of the three guys at the back end that Rayleigh will toss it to. And he's been great. So I think he's probably going to get more responsibility, too. And hopefully it goes better than last year, because I think Drew Smith can really take a step up this year. Um, But my apple is going to go to Brandon Nemo, because we got to give one to Brandon Nemo. Come on. He has to every time. I mean... He is currently the second most valuable player in baseball. It's really fun to say that because after one player has a hot series, they just jump to the top of like the war leaderboard. It's like, oh, well, this guy's like the second best player in baseball now. Uh, He went eight for 14, three runs, a double, a homer, and two RBI, including a five-hit game in the last game of this series. He's one of four Mets all time with two or more five-hit games joining some no-name schmoes like Keith Hernandez, Mike Piazza, and Rusty Staub. Uh, in his last seven games, including that afternoon, he's 16 for 41, five extra base hits, seven RBI. He has been swinging a great bat, batting over 350. Uh, we haven't seen crazy slugging numbers for him so far, but honestly, he's got that OBP up. He's still taking his walks. And he's choosing great pitches to hit his baseball savant page. If you are into the red bubble thing, go check it out. It's a nice site right now. Uh, and he's been worth every penny of that new eight year deal. He's the apple of my eye. Uh, the guy is playing at an incredible level. Yeah. Offensively. We saw him defensively doing some great things. He's just in the zone right now. And it's not, it's a sustainable type of play. It's what he does. He's even in the beginning when he wasn't really hitting great, he was still taking great at bats and his on base percentage this year is second in all of baseball at 481. Again, wow. it's early. It's 60 at bats into the season. At 481. 481. He's you know, he has 15 walks to seven strikeouts, which is incredible. Uh the guy is doing it. On both sides, he is a lovely leadoff hitter, center fielder. Like, um, just a special player. So, uh, a great pick. The obvious answer that's not the bullpen. uh, Well-deserved. Yeah. I mean, last year we saw Lindor and Alonso have special seasons, and I think we expect that out of them. Nimmo was great, but if he can go on to be elite, all-star caliber, you know, top three center fielder in the game, That's going to go a long way for this Mets lineup that, you know, honestly looked much, much better this series aside from the Kershaw game. So a lot to love there. And uh, they should hit well again against an upcoming team that is actually slumping pretty hard right now, which is kind of shocking to me. Full of familiar faces as well. Jerry, who we playing next? Well, they're going back up the Pacific Coast Highway. They're going back to the Bay. They will be staying in the same exact hotel that they stayed when they played Oakland. They are going against the San Francisco Giants with some very familiar faces on that offensive team. Guys like Michael Conforto, Wilmer Flores. You ever heard of him? The most clutch Met. Yeah, he's pretty dang good. Slowest Uh, man in the game. (laughs) J.D. Davis. (laughs) There's some games, some bangers on that team. 
Uh, but the matchups are sweet for this four-game set. The number one guy, the Ghost Fork man, Kodai Singa, who's 2-0 and with a 3.38 ERA. He'll be going against Sean Manaya, the lefty, the beautiful-haired man, the friend, friend. of Jolly Olive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 0-0 with a 4.76 uh, ERA. Francisco Lindor in his career against them, 4 for 12. Escobar, 4 for 9, both with homers. Singa coming off his worst start in Oakland, 4 and 2 thirds. He battled some elements, learned a lot from himself, learned how to, to, to navigate some of those issues. He went 4 and 2 thirds, gave up 7 hits, 4 walks, 2 homers, and 4 runs. I think he's looking for a bounce back. There's going to be some element issues, some weird bullpen issues in uh, – in San Francisco, so I'd like to see him bounce back. That is game number one. That brings us to game two and possible fill-in. We don't know who's going to be starting for the Mets, but we're going to go out on a limb and say it's Joey Lucchese or Joey Fuego, the man himself, (laughs) uh, possibly making his debut for the Mets. He's been really, really good for the AAA team, Uh, had a good spring training. I think he's ready. He'll be going up against Anthony DeSclafani, who's 1-0 with a 1-4-2 ERA. One of the best nicknames in baseball, he's called Disco. Uh, Francisco Lindor against Disco in his career, 5 for 18 with three homers. I think that's going to be a good matchup to watch. Uh, and again, this will be Joey Lucchese's first start of the season. That is game two of the four-game set. Game number three is David Peterson, who's 1-2 and two with a 6.1 ERA, going up against their ace, the newly extended Logan Webb, who's 0-4 with a 4.94 ERA. Mark Canna in his career against uh, Logan Webb, four for nine with two homers. Brandon Crawford is one for two with a homer against Peterson. That's game three. Game four, Tyler Big Drip McGill, who's three and one with a three ERA, going up against Ross Stripling, maybe, who's 0 and one with a 7.3 ERA. Lamont Wade Jr. and Mike Yastrzemski are both three for six with a homer against McGill, and Stripling takes Alex Wood's spot probably in the rotation. Again, not solidified, maybe. But this is an important four-game set to wrap up this West Coast road trip and get the Mets back to Queens with a winning record. Very nicely done, as always. Yeah, kind of a little bit of a guessing game with some of these probables because uh, the Mets have a lot in flux uh, right now. Giants are a weird team, man. They've been they've had a weird start to this season. They haven't had a, a horribly difficult stretch, uh, schedule. They played the White Sox, the Royals, the Tigers and the Miami Marlins, and they lost all of those series. They're 6-11 and 11 on the year right now, but their league average in OPS Plus and ERA, so it's not like they're playing that poorly. They're just not getting wins when it counts. Uh, for the Mets, we think it's going to be Lucchese, and I think if you can use your uh, you know, context clues there, uh, because they can't call up Jose Budo, as Jerry politely informed me. Thank you very much, Jerry. Uh, unless somebody is injured and they already filled Cookie's spot. Denny Reyes got sent down, and I think they're stretching him out as a potential starting option. That's what they said. So that kind of just leaves Lucchese. It's not going to be Dylan Bundy, who hasn't looked good so far in AAA. And uh, we could see the return of the Churve, which would be really nice because he's looked good so <laughs> far. Uh, and then the rest of the rotation fills out as scheduled. It's going to be Peterson and McGill the last few games. They have a lot of responsibility on their plate now with the Scherzer news and the Cookie news. So hopefully we see some good starts out of them as well. Uh, this could be a series that the Mets win, but I think I'd be very happy with the series split here. You go home and you finish seven and three on your West Coast road trip. Yeah, I think we're looking for a split on the road in a four game set. You'd be happy with it. Again, this is a this is an interesting team. Uh, you don't really know what you got with them. They're they can hit. They were going to see old familiar face Darren Darren Ruff too. Yeah. Um, 
he's going to come up in a big spot. I promise you that. I already so, know it. Yeah, he's going to be a pinch hit against Brooks Raley or something like that, and we'll see. Uh, but this is if a, that happens, I'm a, clipping this and I'm putting it out. <laughs> this is uh, an interesting team. Who you know, the Giants won what was 109 games or 100 and. 107, 101, 107 like games like two yeah. years ago had a rough year last year. Um, but they've got some, they've got some boppers on their team with, with Yastrzemski and Conforto, uh, flow, Joey Bart, their big, big prospect behind the plates seems to finally start to, to figure it out offensively. Uh, yeah, but it's a, it's an interesting team. They have the twins, the Rogers twins on the same team, which is, which is crazy. It's so damn cool. Like that's amazing. Um, we had twins in a, in our conference in high school and I always thought that would be amazing. One of them, they all played, they played three sports. One was a quarterback. One was a receiver, like watching them throw the ball to each other. That's so cool. You know, it's, it was so sick. And so him and his brother are both relief pitchers get to hang out in the same bullpen together. Like it's bananas. Kind of wish and one of them throw... was a catcher because the twins <laughs> have that telepathic communication. They wouldn't even need pitch com. They could just and then they could just they could just uh, switch gloves. But one of them's <laughs> uh, yeah, one of them's a righty submariner from like below the earth. The other one is a big lefty from over the top. So they they bring it. But it's what a cool story. Yeah, very very cool. A uh, lot of stories with the San Francisco Giants, including all those Mets that we mentioned. Some of them <laughs> off to good starts. I mean, JD Davis has numbers that you love. Michael Conforto has a couple big hits so far this year, and Darren Ruff somehow is batting like 270, I think. Um, so yeah, there you 267. Go. 267. Yeah. So the Mets will have that to worry about because if Mets fans know anything, it's bad juju when we face someone who used to wear the blue and orange, but hopefully it's not too bad. Not too bad. I think it'll be okay. This is a good team playing a playing a better team. I think the the Mets are stacked up to to win this series. What the they're run well. It's a run uh, organization that's headed in the right direction. So, yeah. Um, also, Logan Webb, zero and four to start the year. I did not have that in my book. That's kind of crazy. He's he had a weird down year last year with his slider uh, and sinker, but he looks he looks better than his numbers in a small sample size. High strikeouts. Um, he just gave up some long balls. I think he's given up five home runs. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's got 28 strikeouts in 23 innings. So he's still capable of winning a Cy Young, to be honest. I think he's that good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's got some growing pains. Definitely. And, I, you know, I said that I think I'd be happy with the split. Got a little heat on Twitter for that because everyone's thinking we should win every series now. It's hard to go on the road and win a four-gamer, man. It's tough to take three <laughs> or four no matter who you're playing. Um, and I think if you split, away, you're but... happy with it, man. I think you are. Yeah. Again, this is this is uh, a winnable series, but a, a split on the road. You've come back home. You, you're you've done well on the road trip, but yeah, I, I can understand. I think a split would a split would be amazing. Yeah. So the Mets look good outside of all their other circumstances, and hopefully they can wrap up the West Coast trip strong. Come back home to play the Washington Nationals, where John Boy Media is taking over Section Three Hundred Three next Wednesday. What? Who said that? What? It was me. That's amazing. I said that. First JM Mets of the year, baby. Let's go Mets. I think Let's that's all we go. got. I think that's it. All right. Yeah. Let me, we'll, we'll have, we can do a reaction again once we figure all the stuff out. Uh, yeah. But I'm just exhausted from the, the sticky sub substance. Like, come on, like figure I'm it out already. 
Yeah. I am so over it. Hopefully we get some good news, but if not, we'll be fine. The Mets are a talented org. They got some depth. Yeah, and, and if you're going to give a, give the old man a couple of days off, so, so be Might it. need it, you know, buy us some October starts. Why not? <laughs> I, I, I hope those are chips he can cash in later. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you on Monday. Let's go, Mets. LFGM. <laughs>